Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? Hi, great to be here. It's great to be here with you, Catherine. Catherine and I are here tonight on our couch, as always, to introduce our first interview on the show. We got off our couch to travel to Oakland, California to interview the owners and operators of Bay Grape Bottle Shop and now Mamo Restaurant, Josiah Baldovino and Stevie Stacionis. We had not met this lovely couple in person before doing the podcast. And we got together on a Monday morning around 10 o'clock, and we had a very low alcohol bottle of wine together, and we talked about our experiences as owners of wine stores and being married and working together and having a kid. It was special, and um, they're just awesome people. I'm so glad that we started our friendship that way. Their shop is awesome. So if you are in Oakland, California, and you have an opportunity to go to Bay Grape and buy some wine for yourself or stop in and drink a bottle of wine, like they have some great selections. You would know better than I. They have everything in this shop. They have the young, funky, unusual producers. They have the classic producers. They have classic regions of Europe. They have little unknown corners of the world. They have everything and great range of prices. Such a friendly shop. Gosh, I'd recommend it to anyone. Both have very pedigreed histories in wine. I mean, from working with Michael Mina to Laura Manic, Laura Manic, Raj Parr advising Josiah, like really some top shelf names with whom this couple has worked. And I learned a lot. So I hope you enjoy the interview. One note before we jump into the episode, there is some strong adult language. So if you're in the car with kids or at work, you have been warned that there is some adult language. So make sure you adjust accordingly. And with that, let's get into the interview with the owners and operators of Bay Grape Bottle Shop in Oakland, California, Josiah Baldovino and Stevie Stacionis. Now we're not in the comfort of our own home on the couch, so it's live. There are people. We're doing a road game today, folks. We are in Oakland, California with our first guests of the show. We have the owners of Bay Grape Bottle Shop and Mama Restaurant, Josiah Baldovino and Stevie Stacionis. How are you doing today, gang? I'm great. The first thing I just thought of was, do you have to be quiet when you're doing this on your couch because you're worried that if you say something too loud, you might wake the kids up? Well, it's more like sports games that are the problem in our house. Yeah, Yeah. I get that. I find we always are like talking in whispers and I'm like, no, don't stop. You drop that thing. (laughs) And then we say, you wake, you take. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great phrase. (laughs) We might bring that ethos back to Santa Monica. Yeah, definitely. So we're here because we were excited about interviewing some husband and wife teams, which you all are, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Usually on the same team, sometimes opposite. <laughs> yeah. I won't <laughs> dig into that. Um, <laughs> but um, we're excited to talk to people uh, who are working within the wine world who are passionate about democratizing wine and making it approachable and fun for so many people. So thank you to both of you for taking the time today to have basically um, some brunch wine. Yeah, I call this my breakfast wine. It's Juju, and it's from it's a collaboration between Julia Sherman of Salad for President and Martha Stuman, natural wine maker, woman extraordinaire. And I don't know, it's like not really a wine. It's a sparkling verjou, which is totally its own thing. Um, but it's very low alcohol and bubbly, and so I feel that it's 
perfectly appropriate to drink at 10 a.m., which we are. It's yeah. delicious. Yeah, Martha Stuman was uh, a former wine crush. Yeah, she was of one Catherine's of my inspirations. On the Total podcast. Wine crush. So excited to hear more about the wine in a little bit. But as you know, well, you probably don't know this because you haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast yet. I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> but passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so busy no, no, not, not aggressive. Don't no, fuck no. this show up. <laughs> I'm giving this in now. We're, we're back in. We're back in. It's my show. Um, but we start the episodes out by discussing and recapping um, our performance and putting our three-year-old and one-year-old to bed. And I can say for us, uh, Catherine, it was great because we're out of town. <laughs> oh my gosh, 10 out of 10 last night. It was so smooth. I just like went to the bathroom, washed my face, brushed my teeth, and went to bed. It was like the best bedtime. Yeah. Really, really painless. I agree. We're um, at but I, hopefully at home it was okay too. Apparently, the three-year-old slept through the night in his own bed. There should be applause for that. Uh, So he did get a sticker on his sticker chart this morning. Yeah. And of course, of course, he does it on the night we're out. I know that we're not there. There might be something there. And then um, the fourteen-month-old apparently was up in the night per usual with with Brando. Um, But he did it. He did it. He managed, and so our bedtime was ten out of ten. So. I'm uh, this last week it was a two, so we're really we're we're climbing up. How, how about you guys? How was last night for you? And 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 can you tell us about you have one son? Is yes. that right? Two sons. Well, we have a furry son, Napoleon. Oh, <laughs> and he then seems we have like he probably has a good bedtime. He's a really wise Yoda-like being. He's Foxen's older brother. He's like twelve. He's either deaf or selective hearing and chooses not to listen to the screaming three-year-old boy i wish i had that gift yeah um last night was actually pretty good so fox in his three he's sleeping well like probably all kids is a nightmare it it typically involves at least eight to ten times of putting back to bed and trying to go through the same routine and not lose your cool and last night was unique because often josiah and i kind of flip-flop one of us might be here or at the restaurant and one of us is home and so when there's two of us i think that fox and our son plays us and like works the system to try to figure out who he can manipulate more so last night it's usually me yeah me too it sucks (laughs) and i know he's doing it but then i don't want to be a dick you guys are so weak i know we're just weak it sucks Uh, I am very much like, okay, this is how we do it. We follow the routine. It's perfect. And if we get it right, then he'll go to bed. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. And so I have like the timetable all out. It is this time and it is time to brush our teeth. It is this time and it is story time. And I also am a big fan of like, okay, we're winding down. But no, last night was like 20 minutes to bedtime jumping from coffee table to couch to pile of pillows on the floor screaming like pretty raucous just having a good time though <laughs> I don't, yeah, we don't know, fault like, that yeah and he was in my excited mind, his parents are home yeah and i'm like work it out you know it's like running a dog like if you take the dog to the dog park then it like goes to bed easier and so that's my theory so did he go to bed mind. easier though kind of i thought <laughs> so if you had to rank this bedtime from like a one being the worst night of your mm-hmm. life to a ten being absolute bliss. Where is this on the oh, comparative like scale? An eight. Yeah, I would say a seven or eight last so night. night. Yeah. He yeah. did try to work Josiah a little, came back out, started like crying, and I'm in the kitchen like making the like cut off around your neck sign. Yeah. Stop, 
stop engaging. Because he's like, Don't I engage. love you, Dad. Ignore. Ignore. I love you. And I'm like, he knows my weakness. Yeah, I was like, I have to answer. I can't just let him, like, what hey, if he needs me? Hey, Dada. Yeah. Hey, 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 Dada. Don't do it. But um, then he did go to bed, and it was great. Eight for you, 10 for us. Congrats to the parents. Incredible yeah. nights for us. That's why we're drinking now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I want to hear more about this, but let's, let's start from the beginning, I guess. I'm excited to hear about your stories. And you, you have a relationship to Southern California in LA, which is where Catherine and I are from. So can we hear a little bit about your beginnings in wine? Okay, so my background. I went to school at SC, was working in restaurants to put myself through USC, was working at Il Fornaio Cucina Italiana. In Pasadena. Nice. Still the best paying job I've ever had. Place bumped. Amazing. In the like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Josiah was a bartender. I was a server. And to try to keep it sort of short, we had typical server bartender drama. Didn't like each other. And then our GM put together like a staff tasting trip to go up to Santa Barbara for wine tasting. And the day of the trip, everybody flaked out except the two of us. So we ended up going together and actually had a phenomenal time. And on the drive home in Carpinteria, Josiah's car broke down and we could not get a tow until the next morning. And so we got a Motel 6 room and the rest is history. That is amazing. Um, And that's literally how we like first fell in love with wine and each other. Amazing. So Josiah continued working in wine. He can tell you a little bit more about that. I kept trying to like make it in a quote unquote real career um, as a writer. And so I started um, writing about food and travel. And ultimately we went to New York. But Josiah can jump in now with his part. No, no, no. I just, yeah, there's just so much more to the Carpinteria story that you're like, you're like <laughs> totally just going over, which is fine. This is like, this is a, a lot children's more. programming. Okay. That was well, nice, you though. Know, I was like, <laughs> I mean, our, our, our parents, our yeah. parents definitely listen. Yeah. Foxen, this is how you were made. Um, <laughs> what happened then? Yeah, I was in going to school at Northridge and studying business management and had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And my counselor said I should do business management as a major and so I did that and then I needed to get a business internship and so I ended up getting one at uh, Silver Lake Wine um, like right around when they first opened and worked there literally like cleaned and restocked and stuff like that but every Sunday I would ask one of the owners uh, about three different wines and he would like describe them to me and I had like my little like moleskin notebook that I would like take notes and stuff and then started uh, studying for the Court of Master Sommelier program because I just literally googled like how does one become like good at wine and this whole thing came up and so I started studying that got wine for dummies and yeah just worked my butt off and like studied really hard and they offered me a job and I worked there for a little bit and then we moved to New York and Stevie did food and travel writing there and then did you move to New York for work or just because you wanted to change your yeah, face yeah because we would we just kind of wanted to get out like the whole idea was at first we were going to like move somewhere like to another country but then that kind of just wasn't really realistic so Stevie and I literally just were like let's just move to New York and didn't really have any savings and we just literally quit our jobs packed everything up and moved there with no jobs there or anything it was really really wild but so glad we did it what did I do I I worked at the Oak Room for a while, and then I worked uh, with uh, a friend at Bar Baloo, and then... That was all of New York. That was all of New York. <laughs> 
I was in publishing. I had finally like escaped hospitality and made it as a writer and editor. And it was 2008. So 2008 in New York was not the hottest time. The magazine I was working for folded. All the magazines that I sort of aspired to work for were folding. And... I was back to freelancing and it was not a like lucrative way to make money. So I found myself going kind of back into hospitality and was studying wine at the time, thinking if I could learn more about wine, I would be able to write about wine as well. And that would kind of bolster my portfolio. So I was like freelancing for Martha Stewart and then took on a job at Alphabet City Wine Company in the East Village, where I learned all the kind of like quirky, esoteric, affordable kind of stuff and served one very distinct type of clientele. And then ultimately got recruited to work for Crush Wine and Spirits to write their sales newsletters of fine and rare wines. So completely different opposite end of the spectrum that I got to learn about. And that was amazing because I was able to write and use my writing, but also be in wine. And that's really where I feel like I learned, I mean, every job you learn something really important, but the connections that I made there and the access that I had at least to like seeing labels that I'd only ever read about was really phenomenal and then at the time Josiah was in a tasting group led by master sommelier Laura Manick and so I got to meet Laura and was like can can we can we ever hang out and like get drinks I would just love to pick your brain do you want to be friends yeah basically um and she was like well I've just left be our guest and I'm starting my own company do you want to come and work for me and so I was her first employee and helped her kind of build cork buzz that's amazing um and so Josiah and I were really privileged I mean Josiah was working for Daniel Jonas and Michael Madrigal and I got to be working with Laura and so just the like mentorship that we got there and the connections we made was really phenomenal and showed me what a strong community there is around the wine profession and took me from thinking that like you know hospitality was just this other thing I did while I tried to make it in a real job to being like this could actually be something that we could do long term and permanently and it's like worthy and valid so when we moved back then um, to California Josiah right away got connected to Raj Parr I went to work for Michael Mina I continued to work for Laura from afar and then also went to work for the Guild of Sommeliers and so I just felt like that whole kind of transitional time from the last part of us being in New York into moving out here was this phenomenal like outpouring of mentorship and community and collaboration that really I think like set the stage for what we are trying to create here nice segue how was that for a segue like I should do do this for a living right yeah. Yes. <laughs> Did you do writing for the um, for Guild Song? Yeah, I didn't do as much feature content. I was their community manager, so I helped um, like coordinate other people that would be writing pieces for us, and I helped edit them and kind of cultivated and like grew their membership. Um, helped out with some events. Um, yeah, very cool. So from New York, you guys decided to migrate to Oakland, correct? We went to San Francisco because that's what we thought we were supposed to do. And then I think relatively quickly discovered that like actually Oakland was where it's at. Also well, I mean, got we went to San Francisco because your dad had like an apartment <laughs> that we like then like kind of took over the lease without telling the owner and then the owner yep. found out that like it wasn't in our name yeah and and then Wait they like second. and rent had gone like from standard, like 1600 like, yeah. to 2600 right. and, and we like we got begged and plead but like i don't know just everything happens for a reason and we were super upset but we just were like whatever and so then we started looking over here in oakland we found something and yeah i 
don't ever see myself going back to the city. I just love it over here so much more. It's like so much more vibe and yeah, like I literally feel like we have some of the best guests like ever just because everybody is so like diverse and cool and understanding. So for someone who doesn't live here, is this like, is Oakland like the Brooklyn to New York? Is it like Oakland to San Francisco? People try to make that analogy all the time. Like it's it's the like Silver Lake Echo Park of LA. It's the Brooklyn of Manhattan. Okay. Just like I would say Brooklyn the cool part of like you know New York and Silver Lake's the cool part of LA but like this is like definitely like the coolest spot in the Bay I think probably to be respectful and appropriate we would need to unpack that a little bit Oakland obviously has a um a difficult and perhaps controversial history Oakland has always been the poor part of the Bay um it's a lot more ethnically diverse and so I have to be very sensitive of like when we say it's the cool part like what does that mean it means it's the part that didn't have as much money put into it as quickly and now as we all know that's changing and so we try to be very sensitive of what that means how we cultivate meaningful community among the people that are already here and that have been here forever rather than trying to displace you know we were mindful of taking over a space that had been vacant for three years rather than like oh the rent went up and the tenant that's been there for two decades just got kicked out and then we swoop in that's not that's not our style you know we came to this neighborhood because it was where we could afford to live I loved that it was right by the lake I felt there was this like incredible vibrancy you go like walk or run around the lake on a weekend and like all parts of Oakland so many different cultures from different parts of Oakland that all come and congregate along the lake and barbecue and have music and parties and are just enjoying that. That I found this like incredible energy in this neighborhood being right there on the lake and then was shocked at how densely packed it was residentially and how like rich culturally it was and what a like awesome vibe there was among all these people all together. But that we had this corridor, this commercial corridor with all these vacant storefronts. It just felt weird. And I was like, someone should put a place there. So in in that spirit, like when you all uh, looked at Oakland, were you looking to open a shop? You made the transition from basically being an employee for someone to being to becoming the boss. Mm-hmm. When did that transition happen? And when did you all decide like we want to go bottle shop first and then later restaurant? So I think it was always like kind of a thought of ours like, you know, let's open our own thing. Probably like a year before we opened this, it was definitely like a strong like, yeah, let's do our own thing. Let's open a shop. And for us, We I had mean, worked together originally, right? And then we did that fun little like a drink with friends TV show. I think we really liked working together, so that was sort of like most of the time top of mind. <laughs> I I mean, to be honest, I was a little nervous cuz I had flashbacks of when like I was a bartender and you were a server, but um, it's been good so but far. But it all ended up in Carpinteria, so yeah, you know, exactly. it all worked out. Such a romantic place. Um, um, but we found this space just by like living in the neighborhood. Yeah, because we live like right. We used to live right up the street from here, and so gotcha. we would always walk past this space. And what neighborhood is this called? Adams Point. Adams Point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then we just like reached out to the landlord, and we were like, "Hey, this is like what we're trying to do. Like, we just wanted to open a bottle shop and kind of like community gathering space and all that stuff." And he loved the idea, and so he just like rented to us. It was like really weird how it just like happened so easily and so quickly, it- and the whole goal and like inspiration of opening this place was just literally just to make wine more accessible like there are so many places even to this day that I go to and even with like my experience where like I feel uncomfortable like people that work in wine will sometimes make people feel very uncomfortable especially if you don't know about wine and 
doesn't have to be like that you know it's like i feel like a lot of places that i go to in europe it's just totally chill it's not this like hoity-toity thing it's just like everybody drinks wine it's like not that big of a deal at all but over here for whatever reason it's kind of i don't know got that weird kind of air to it but more and more people now are making wine accessible and i think that is like a true blessing for the industry and more younger people are drinking wine which is really cool we get a lot of people that come in here that literally are like 22 or just turned 21 and they're like drinking wine already and I feel really old, but there's like a group that was in here like two nights ago. And I was like, how did you guys like, how are you already drinking wine? Like, this is so freaking cool. Like, oh, we're 16. Yeah. And they were just like, I was like, did you even go through the phase of like vodka Red Bull or like whatever? And they're like, yeah, totally. But like, we just really like wine. And I'm like, that's really cool. I wish I was like that. I just wanted to elaborate a little on what you were just saying. (laughs) Finally, we get to hear the story. (laughs) It was a lustful night and steamy. The sheets were mostly clean. Um, No, so we had a lot of conversations about both in our sort of casual, like, what would you put in that space? That vacant storefront was so beautiful. Like, what do you think that the neighborhood would like? What would we like? What would be fun to open? But I feel like we remembered a lot the ways that we got into wine and what we like really loved about wine, which was this sense of community and people coming together no matter their background or their experience or their taste in wine and literally sharing a bottle, this this shared physical experience I think was so special and like when we first got into wine in LA we would get invited over to like people's dinner parties that were guests at the restaurant or at Silver Lake that like they were opening such nice stuff and we were just like I don't know anything and they were sharing it with us and we were able to have this same common experience that I found so remarkable in the same way that I've always loved the way that like a great dinner party can bring together all these people and so when we made this space we were like well okay I love retail because retail allows you to have more of that face-to-face interaction more building relationships and we want to have classes and tasting so that we can like share things with people and we want to be kind of first and foremost a place where everyone feels like they are welcome here in the same way that people extended that sentiment to us when we first got into it. I mean, not to be like super big headed, but I feel like we are also really good at educating people. I mean, that's all I really did at the restaurant for a while is just like educate like sommeliers up and coming, like educate like people that maybe weren't into wine, but then like I got them into wine by like teaching them like during lineup and stuff. And it's really cool because some of the people actually, they ended up being sommeliers. They started when I met them, they were just like runners or whatever. And then they like would come to like the weekly wine classes and then they slowly like got into it and then became like certified sommeliers and like that to me is like really fucking cool because I feel like I don't know not a lot of people do that I was lucky enough in New York to have people though like Laura and stuff like that that actually like took the time to like teach us about wine and I don't know it's just cool things like that that I feel like just makes the world a better place and so it's just like (laughs) kind of my I don't know way to pay it forward I guess it's so cool because mentoring is such a big part of the wine industry when it's at its best Mm -hmm. like both in the vineyard and with winemakers and then in restaurants and it's both of you had that experience so so strong in new york and then to now carry that on to just people who love your shop is super cool and it's still fun that's like what's so cool about it like we have been so busy with the restaurant lately that we haven't really been able to spend a lot of time here at the shop but like now I think like the last couple nights we've been here and like it just reminds us like how for one how lucky we are but like also like how 
great it is to like do what we do like it's like the easiest job ever it's not even like work it's like we come in and share wine with people and just like shoot the shit like it's really cool oh my gosh that part's the that best that part is the best yeah, i just so need to right. hire someone it's to like, do all the other so you don't do the books the part, morning right? emails are not we pay somebody to do our books so yeah it's great books oh. hr so yeah. so this is great because Catherine and I have a, share a, a similar sensibility, which you use the terminology on your website to stop making wine douchey mm-hmm. or, or some, some paraphrasing. You want to do us we want to make wine less douchey. Make wine less douchey. question I have for you all is like, now that you've got this place up and running, what are the tastes of Oakland? Like kind of palate does the, your clientele have? What kind of wine are you bringing in versus what you maybe thought would have been the case? I always say we are, we're, the, we're the luckiest. We, I think, get to serve one of the most diverse wine drinking demographics in the entire world. We like, yes, there are plenty of groups of 16 year old, I mean, 21 year olds um, that come in, but there is, I'm going to be the bouncer here. I have to, sorry, I'm going to have to start carding people. (laughs) There's everyone. It it really is this like incredibly beautiful cross section of humanity. I think that comes into our shop and I feel so lucky that we get to serve that. And that's also probably part of the reason why I want to, in whatever way I can preserve that in Oakland. I don't think we could have this shop in so many other places in the world where we got to have everything from oaky buttery Chardonnay to the most crazy natty new is it orange or is it red or is it rosé look what um and i always say i think it's our responsibility to serve the, that diverse demographic and to have something for everyone so that they don't come in and feel like that's not my shop people are just down though you know and like for me it's like amazing when we do these tastings like just things that you're like there's no way this is going to do well like an orange wine flight like or whatever and like it sells out and it's like one of the most popular tastings that we do and like i think for me the coolest thing is even if like someone comes in here and they don't know that much about wine they're still open and down to try new things and like to me that's amazing because I've worked places where like people come in and like they want what they want and that's totally cool like they want this like specific wine if you don't have that then they're disappointed but like here it's like people come in and they're just like I don't know like whatever you're into or like whatever your staff is into are there certain wines that I mean I your selection is awesome diverse and fun and just i recognize a lot of bottles and then there's some that i don't that i really want to get into are there certain bottles that you're like yeah we've had that from day one and we'll never not have that Uh, yeah. th- because they're so popular or because we can't move it? No, that's a great question. Because they're popular because oh, people yeah. love it so much. Well, it's a, that, that's an interesting question because before, to Josiah's point, I was going to say I almost feel like Oakland is so like, ooh, diverse and hip right now that I'm like, you really should know the classics, okay? Let's talk about this Bordeaux yeah. and this Sancerre. Like, yeah. you need to know those as reference points. I won't anyone drink this anymore. But then I think now those things do move. There's always, you know, we focus on small producers working with some kind of mindset on preserving the planet. Um, And so if you can get like a $20 Pinot that also has that kind of like production mindset that will fly and so like right now we have the land of saints from angela osborne like that that wine can't go away for a while lighter reds lighter whites right now are doing really well and i think it depends on where you're at too you know like our sweet spot i would say is like around 20 to 25 dollars yeah for us it's also making everybody feel comfortable that comes in here so we definitely have that like 10 to 15 dollar you know category as well like pretty much in like light medium heavy whites light medium heavy reds and and like Stevie and I, we really try to 
you know, stay on top of that. So I'll walk through the store often and just make sure, like, if I was a guest coming in, like, is there now a new lighter white wine that is, you know, under $15? So that way, when that person comes in, they don't feel like, oh my God, they always have the same thing or like now they don't have it. And now I feel pressured to buy like a little bit more. So yeah, it's really important just to kind of always like keep an eye on like inventory what's moving what's not uh, you have a community table here in the the bottle shop we tried that in santa monica because we love it in new york we love it in europe we thought well, there would be classes yeah we made a beautiful dinners, which you know handmade that, beautiful real, communal table and oh, uh, no, one sat no one sat there. there no one sat there so we we no one sits there um in, when you don't have those classes or dinners. Correct. Mm-hmm. So we did change that out. I and mean, this is part of the thing, you know, and this is what I wanted to ask you about, like, things that you just kind of learn by being open. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that we had to learn, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, this this community is just not quite ready to sit in a communal setting. Mm-hmm. As much as we love it, we have to be nimble mm-hmm. with that. Was, is there anything like that that you've learned over the course of being open? You're like, I had, we, had an, we had an idea that it didn't work. How, how do we pivot? Good question. That's actually, that's hard for me. I remember... Because um, everything's worked. Kind of one of the... Everything's been super yeah. successful exactly here. Exactly <laughs> as we imagined. No, I remember um, uh, a woman, um, Amy, she and her husband co-own Farley's, which is this incredible kind of similarly like-minded community-oriented coffee shop here. And right when we opened, she was like, yeah, just wait. It's crazy when you start to see your like business run in a direction that like wasn't your intention. And I was like, no, that can never happen. And I find it, I'm uh, pretty rigid person and i find it a schedule for your kid (laughs) to go to bed i did catch that i'm with you i'm with you (laughs) i don't like when things veer away from what i had planned okay so it it has been difficult to realize what directions that's going in i think the biggest one for me is that we very intentionally were like we're not a bar and we kind of are a bar we were like we're not going to do by the glass there's a whole bunch of reasons by the class programs suck like you can only offer very limited options because otherwise it's too expensive for a glass pour you have so much waste that you have to charge a lot keeping the wines fresh and actually like good integrity for the guests that you're pouring for can be really difficult to manage so all of these reasons we're like we're gonna be a bottle shop and we're gonna let you open bottles no matter how much you explain to them the the reasoning for it and how the pricing is so much better for them to get a bottle at retail price I finally have had to accept that a little bit, especially as we opened a restaurant and it's a tiny restaurant and people need a place to wait. There's no bar or waiting area. There's just no space for it. And so we send them down here and it's hard to ask them then to open a bottle when they're going to go to dinner. So we have to have a couple options open every night. And I resisted that so much just because of the principle of it and seeing that like, that's just what guests want. And a lot of guests are ready to make that transition into kind of our business model, but a lot aren't. And do I want to turn those people away? just because I'm prideful about my genius concept no so we always now offer at least like a white and a red or something kind of lighter fuller as a sort of nod to it even though we stay true to like that intention by being like but it's a better deal and you have all these options so that's for me been the biggest kind of pivot or concession I've had to make. I'd also like to say though I'm really proud of us though for like sticking to that because at the beginning man we got so much shit from people just being like what do you mean you don't have a buy the glass? One star yelp. They don't have a buy the glass. Like you know and you're just like come on dude. Like it's like this concept is so popular like everywhere else in the world you know but like not a lot of people know that and they're just used to like the standard like oh like I just want something by the glass but I think after doing it for so long and then also like hearing guests bring their friends in and doing the spiel for us like 
helps a lot. You know, when the friend is just like, this is a great deal. Like, shut up. Like, no, they don't have a buy the glass. Like, just do this. It's like way better value and all that stuff. But that's the one thing that I'm really proud that we didn't change because there were several times where like, I was like, should we like have just like, you know, make everybody happy and do the buy the glass. And like, I'm glad we didn't because now it's like, it works. And like people, that's what we're known for is like, oh, the place where you can just go and like open a bottle and like share it. And I think that was also something too that we really wanted to stand by as like, you know, in order to bring like people together, like it's much cooler to like share a bottle rather than just have like a glass or split a glass. Like now you have to sit with this person for the entire bottle. And it just, I don't know. I feel like it really um, just creates like really beautiful things, especially when you see like two complete strangers like sitting at the bar at the communal table and then they ended up like talking and like sharing wine and like, oh, I'm drinking this here, try a glass. And oh, I'm drinking this, like try a glass. Like it's just really cool. And like, that's like, what I think wine is all about. Well, it's like drinking by the glass is such a cultural thing. Like what you're saying, like we have a shop and a bar at Esther's. And I thought because the pricing, like no one's going to drink by the glass, but everyone forever always drink by the glass. That's just what we're used to. But being in the wine world and like having that love for wine, being that experience of opening a bottle, it's a moment in time, Mm -hmm. you open it and it starts to die and it's a limited amount of time that you're sharing that experience with someone. You're exploring what that tastes like, the story behind that winemaker and and where it's from and that's just what we love about it. So it's, I completely understand your passion for wanting to get people on board with that. That's super cool. I always point back to this moment in time when I was studying something for some test and I was reading a little bit about the history of wine and the author observed that throughout much of history wine had been packaged in a container that was interestingly just too big for one person to drink alone and that it had kind of always been like that now we're sort of moving into canned wine and single servings but historically it's been in this this container that's too big for a person to have on their own in one sitting. And so it's physically designed to be shared. And so few things in our world anymore necessitate that, that I was like, uh, I'm in love. I'm, this is what I'm going to pr- dedicate my life to. I love that. Now you all have, you know, you're sharing your, your business world with a, with a restaurant. So two questions about that. What, what are the differences that you're seeing uh, by opening a restaurant and the bottle shop? And two, people want to get into retail a lot of times from wine, we find, because it's a romantic vision. How many people do you know that are like, oh, yeah, I got to get out of this. got to open my shop. Gonna, and, and you're like, don't do it. Times. But it's you so don't hard. make any money. <laughs> <laughs> That's all people. I tell people. I'm like, do well, it. Dream big, but you're not going to make a lot of money. Yeah. That's, sort of, that's sort of the understanding, right? It's like you do it because you, you're still having fun. Yeah. And you love the community and you love the passion of like trying to get people to build a base of around each other. It's got to be about lifestyle and the the... the the, the community and the life totally. that you build and not about a race to somewhere else mm-hmm. going to the top or, mu- or like, money. Yeah, like where you live, like where you guys live and where we live, like I can't even fathom buying a house based on the income from here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just we do it because we love it. We do it because... Mm-hmm. We now provide jobs for like people. We do it because now we can travel the world once a year and bring Fox in with us and like go on wine trips and like, you know, set our own hours and stuff like that and drink, you know, juju cocktails at whatever time it is right now in the morning. Like that's why we do it. It's not to become super rich, but 
I just think that's kind of like the key to life too. You know, it's like whatever's important to you. If you really want to make a ton of money, probably this isn't the business. But if you want to like just be happy waking up every day, being like, yeah, like I'm going to work, but like it's not really work, like then, yeah. There's also, it. we put on a show every day. I mean, this is, this is a show and they don't see the behind the scenes, like all of the like, I mean, running a small business is so hard. And because you're small, and because of the aforementioned finances, you can't really afford to be like, I'm going to hire a person to do my books and a person to do my HR and a person to take care of my insurance. And we do all of our own cleaning, all of our own maintenance. Like literally Josiah was here like fixing things. There's so much that goes into it besides that sexy part of being like, yeah, we're sitting here drinking wine and hanging out with guests. And like, that's what keeps us going. But the small business realities are overwhelming often there's so much in a small business and you have to accept like here's the stuff I love and I'm great at here's the stuff that I'm okay at and I can keep doing and here's the stuff I'm not good at I have to hire someone and like you kind of I mean for me kind of break it down those three ways and then like suffer through the stuff that I'm sort of okay at you know and can keep doing and then the stuff that I'm no, someone else has to build the website. I can't. Are you using, to that point, like people for the website for both the restaurant and the bottle shop? or do, oh, do you... I read you had the same designer, right, that helped you with them? Uh, for the interior, yeah. We had the same girl. I did the websites. We just did hire someone to do the nice. books. It, it definitely fell in that third bucket of like, yep. we suck hard at this. So I think that um, in that small sense, having a second business does help because you can balance out that burden just the last question about the merging of the two how are you splitting your time between the two places yeah sorry we never answered that for you earlier probably because we're not during the day during the day stevie and i are here while foxen's at preschool so like we're kind of at both places um just like kind of going where we're needed Um, and then at night are they walking distance between the two four doors down oh great that's awesome and then at night like i'm over there at the restaurant like three days a week i mean over there we're like fully staffed you know so in all reality the place should run itself i just kind of go just to like make facetime see a lot of like our guests and stuff like that help out like you know if they need help and with expo or whatever like i'm there my main job lately though has literally been like maintenance like maintenance repair person like that's all that i do i've learned what a great how to skill do so much shit and it feels really amazing but it's also frustrating sometimes when you're like dude how did this break again like for real and then i, I gotta fix it and all that stuff but hey next time you're in santa monica could i call you yes i need some help i will bring i just got this <laughs> sweet ass tool bag i look really like legit yeah, Catherine makes fun of me because how, how non-handy i am that in our relationship <laughs> really? yep find the one I do want to acknowledge what a massive transition it's been for us in the last six months having now that business and we put Foxen into preschool literally the same day that we opened the restaurant. Wow. So our lives went from having a nanny in the afternoons and evenings and us having like all this beautiful free time before anything opened in the mornings with our son and then totally switching to like, okay, we get up in the morning, we do work during the day. That's a new thing for us. And one of us has to go home and be with our son. And then there's a lot less of our time together because we have to divide and conquer. And it's been awkward and clumsy, I think, for me. And we're finally, I think, getting into a groove. And for myself personally, I have done so much work on relinquishing control and delegating, which I just... 
I, it's very, very hard for me. But to be able to give those things up because I know I'm going home to take care of my son. I know I have to be on the floor here at Bay Grape today. And so I can't also be at Mama. And learning how to do that and working very hard at it has made all the difference in terms of us being able to be present at whatever, whether it's home with our son, here at the shop or there at the restaurant. Yeah. So that's how how we do it. Which people ask all the time, like, how do you balance it? How do you balance it? I'm like, the meter moves. It's not like a straight balance. Yeah. And also like I try to shoot for a C and hopefully I get better, but a C is just we'll make it work. And then sometimes you gotta just leave things unfinished, which is not something that feels comfortable, but that's how you make room for all the things. It's hard. I'm doing the best that I can. I have to keep repeating that mantra to myself. I'm doing the best that I can. Yeah, and your number one job is keeping that little guy alive, and that's going well. <laughs> it is going well. He's alive. Well, you're doing great. Can we circle back to the wine? What are we drinking during this sort of brunchy hour? Okay, so verju on its own, real verju is green juice. It's um, grapes that are picked early and pressed so that it's a green kind of sour juice. And it's usually used like in a cocktail. Julia Sherman, the co-creator of this, as I understand, had basically like made some verju and put it in a jar container and then realized that it had started fermenting. So there are sugars in juice and left to their own devices ambient yeast will go to town on it and start a fermentation so it was very lightly alcoholic and softly sparkling and she was like this is delicious and great i want to make this so she called up martha and that's what they've made so they pick grapes early and then well we can ask them later for the exact specifics of the technical production methodology but basically it's just very lightly fermented so that it's um it's got some residual sugar but also buffered by that really high acidity and it's got a little bit of bubble and like 3.4 percent alcohol so it doesn't technically qualify as a wine because it's not high enough alcohol but it's this like sparkly sweet tart super fun festive deliciousness and we made it into spritzes right now because i got that idea from Julia, but you could also just drink it for breakfast or for an aperitif or whatever party situation you want. It's delicious and bubbly. It's so delicious. It's perfect for this time of day. Before noon, just like light, so refreshing. Also, the label's just sort of so playful and just makes you think, oh yeah, I'm supposed to just have fun while I'm drinking this. Not too serious. You talk about what's crushable. I mean, this was like, I was being very, very good boy. I was trying to pound this thing out. <laughs> I like when I take time off of drinking to make sure that I still can. The thing that I miss the most is just like, it tastes good, especially with food. I like the taste more than anything. There's a ritual behind it as well. And yes, there's a nice buzz, but those things are secondary to me. And so to be able to drink something that's just like, this is delicious and I don't have to feel a hangover or any other effects is quite lovely. I think I've gotten more buzzed off like kombucha than like this. <laughs> like this is really chill. Like I can totally still saw things and fix things after this. <laughs> you know, without like cutting my Your final waiver to yourself. Yeah. Um, what do you pair with this? I mean, dance you had parties. it with your yeah, dance party. You had it with a breakfast burrito. Dance parties, breakfast burritos. I think like a beautiful like um, salad with like maybe a bunch of fresh fruit on it. Citrus salad would be lovely. A, a spicy would be really food good, or like some kind of raw fish. Yeah, great. And then for people that don't live 
uh, in Oakland, San Francisco, Santa Monica, New York, and they want something that's low ABV or something like this, or what's a comp that we could tell someone that lives in some, a smaller market how they can get uh, something similar to this? That is a really hard one. <laughs> this is like one of a kind. I've never seen anything like that. I'm trying to think of what else you could do. I would you mix could like kava with like some off dry Riesling. Ooh, yeah. You could make like a Prosecco spritz if you had, uh-huh. I mean, some Prosecco and I don't, maybe not sparkling water, maybe have an Izzy or something like a sparkling uh-huh. yeah. juice yeah, with yeah, the yeah. fruit in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It I makes like it that. kind of a daytime totally. spritz. It's definitely not this bottle that we're having. It's more, more the spritz idea, but yeah. that can be fun. So um, let's talk about Carpinteria. The only thing the listeners... The new po- the new true crime <laughs> slash love podcast. What What's happened tra- in Carpinteria? Really <laughs> well, the last thing that we do here on the podcast is we talk w- about what's been inspiring us recently or this week. I'm going to go first, which is my inspiration is being up here in San Francisco. San Francisco is the city I moved to after I graduated college. I spent two years here. I'm a kid from Fredericksburg, Virginia, as many of you out there know. And I moved right into the North Beach Chinatown border. And it was just like a total eye opener for me to take the the Stockton 30 bus through Chinatown every day, see things I'd never seen before in my life, basically just learn how to become an adult. So I'm having the best time being back in the city. Um, and it's inspiring to me. So, Catherine, you want to go next? Sure. Um, so, last night, we got here yesterday afternoon, and last night we ate at a restaurant called State Bird Provisions. Chefs Stuart Brioza and Nicole Krasinski, and it was such a fun experience. I mean, the second we walked in the door, the life was just, like, bursting out. There were so many people there, like, the music. It was just, like, you could feel the energy, and it reminded me, because we don't get to go out as often anymore because of the kiddos, it was just like, oh, this is, like, what the life of the restaurant can be so fun and alive. Well, not when you're in your own restaurant, like looking at every little detail and thinking what's wrong, but it was just so fun. And we sat at the counter and got to watch all of um, the cooks plating everything. And they have this, these, this little system that's kind of like dim sum with little carts that go around and you get to pick other items, um, not only just off the menu, but other items from the carts that you want to add on to your meal. And all the servers were really knowledgeable. It was just such a fun, fun dining out experience. So I'm very inspired by that. Stevie, what do you have for us? I just finally have come to the light of Brene Brown. So there's that cliche, but she's amazing. She deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) And (laughs) I have been choosing courage over comfort lately. You should have written this down. Uh, oh yeah, we should have played the game like <laughs> guess Stevie's favorite food. Yeah. Yeah. What's she most inspired yeah. by? She also has her name tattooed on her lower back in you know? old English. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kidding. No, she is really cool though. Turn to you now. I think I've been like this sounds like really cheesy, but I've been like meditating a lot, like using the Headspace app, which just seems so weird to like use an app to meditate. But like it's really like put things in perspective for me of just like overall like literally like enjoying the moment and like not getting so caught up in like I need need this or look at this person they're doing all these like great things like I want that too and just never really being happy with what you have and I think for us with like our busy lifestyles and kids and businesses and stuff we uh, often are always just like grinding and thinking about the future and all of these things we have to take care of rather than just like sitting back and being like this is really dope like 
you guys are here right now. We're sitting in the sun. We're drinking. Like we have businesses. We have like kids. Like it's really, really cool. And so that's something that I've been really thankful for. Is just overall, just like kind of taking a step back and enjoying the moment and enjoying life. Yeah. Well. Thank you so much. Uh, where, where can we find you all on social media so we can learn more about uh, your journeys and also... It kind of goes with what I was talking about, about enjoying the moment. I don't really do social media, but I, I you can follow my adventures on the Bay Grape handle. Or at Bay Grape. At Bay Grape. Or at Mama, Mama Oakland. Yeah. And I'm at Stevie Stacianis. You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Catherine Weil Coker on Facebook. And you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. You can find me at Tug Coker on Twitter and Instagram. And at TLF Pod is the handle on Twitter for The Long Finish. If you're in Adams Point in Oakland. Or just in the Bay. In the East Bay. Come check out this wonderful bottle shop, Bay Grape. If you want to hear some great vinyl, taste some unbelievable wines blind taste of wines on mondays this is a spot that you need to check out and also check out mama four buildings down mm-hmm. true come on hang out so thank you to everyone for listening to this week we have an all-new episode next week we might be back home dealing with our kids yay yeah, yay modest yay <laughs> paw patrol blaring yeah. in the background yeah. paw patrol marathon yeah. coming back up but uh, as always thank you to everyone who is listening to the long finish And um, we hope to see you back here next week. Until then, happy drinking. Ciao. Yep.